Amen. Well, hello, church. My name is Shana. It is so good to be back with you after a slightly extended hiatus. I started out with Thanksgiving vacation and then just kept having to extend it in happy middle of January. So I hope you all had a great everything that happened in between Thanksgiving and now. Um, I am really grateful that I got to come back specifically for this talk. Like Phil mentioned, we are in a series called Come and See, where we're just getting to approach the beginning of the Gospel of John with curiosity to question some assumptions we may have and to think about different ways the Bible is actually talking about them. And tonight we get to talk about anger, which I think is really cool because I actually have a very complicated relationship with anger, so I'm excited to study this with you. I am what some people call a fiery person. I have been known to storm about and rant in anger. I am very confrontational. I got my first B in college because I told my professor in forms of words that he could basically go stuff it. Um, so anger and I are very familiar. But also, I am somebody who has been a victim of violent anger. And anger scares me. And so I like don't really know always what to do about the emotion or how to handle it when it comes to the creator of the universe. So I'm pumped that we get to do it together. And wherever you're at with the emotion of anger, if it is something that you love, it is something that you are scared of in yourself or others, I just hope you know that this is a safe space for you and that it's okay to feel that way and to be here with us tonight. Um, so we just last week were talking about where Jesus turns water into wine, which is a super fun story. So we're going to have a dramatic shift immediately after that, and we are still in John 2. So if you all want to open up your Bibles or your apps, we'll also have it on the screen. But I always think it's cool to open up yourself so you can kind of see what's before it and what's after it. And we are starting in verse 13. If you're in the NIV, it's the section called Jesus Clears the Temple Courts. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Basically, what you need to know here is back then, the temple was like literally where God's presence existed. It lived in the temple, and the temple was where people went to go be with God. It wasn't really like it is now where like God is everywhere, and we can pray whenever we want, wherever we want. And in the temple... Only Jews could be there. Jews were like God's people, so they could go in the temple and no one else could. So the temple courts, the area around the temple, was the only place that non-Jews could go to worship God. And so when they're saying here that there's all these people selling things and trading things, basically what they're saying is a place that was meant to be a worshipable prayer space is now this like bubbling, happening marketplace. It's kind of like if you walked into a church and it was actually a mall. And you were like, wait, what? That's basically what happens to Jesus. So he, as in Jesus, made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. So a super fun fact 
just about that little section, is that it's actually the passage in the Bible that has been most used to justify Christian violence over the centuries. So like the Crusades, that passage was a big part of it. Um, so we should probably talk about that, right? Is Jesus whipping people? Is that cool? Is it okay for us to be violent? My answer is no, and I would like to tell you a couple reasons why. So first of all, back in like the Roman court, because this was Roman times, um, Roman soldiers were allowed to be very violent. They could do whatever they want. But outside of them, violence was like not cool because the Roman government really liked its power and it was constantly afraid that there was gonna be like some kind of uprising that would cause problems. So if there was a man who started like pulling out intense whips and whipping people and causing this whole scene, number one, people would have fought back, right? Nobody likes to just get whipped. Number two, the Roman guards would have shut that down immediately. But we don't see a single thing about that in this passage. So what that actually tells us is that rather than Jesus being this like big scary buff dude with these like metal whips beating people, Really, he's more like some crazy man on the corner, and these whips that he made, what would have been available to him, were like some cloth and some wicker. So he would have looked more like a crazy guy waving things at animals and people, being like, shoo, shoo, shoo. And so nobody came at him and stopped him because like, he didn't really look like a threat so much as he like, kind of looked like a lunatic. So, was not being violent. But also, there's like another reason that we can see that Jesus wasn't being violent. Because Jesus's violence and like exactly how he's responding to the situation is not the point of the story. It can be really dangerous sometimes when we're studying the Bible and we just look at one passage because we can kind of like forget everything else that's around it. But this is the only passage in the entire gospel where Jesus shows any kind of aggression. Outside of this, like, you know, we all know like Jesus allows himself to be led to the cross and tortured and murdered. When Jesus' disciples try to violently stand up for him, he's like, no, no, please stop. There's like actually a pretty good argument in the gospel that Jesus is a pacifist. So we can't take this one passage and think that that's what it's talking about. Actually, I think that's what it's talking about kind of ties into where we've been in the series so far. So if you were here our first week, Phil taught us about how when Jesus sees us, he calls out and sees the best in us. Not the worst, but the best. And then after that, he got to teach us about water into wine and how Jesus wants us to have goodness and wants to celebrate us and how we, he wants us to be happy. And those are like so good and so true. But then immediately John does this like crazy temple scene because he wants us to know that like Jesus is not somebody who's just here to make us feel good about ourselves. Jesus was somebody who came on a serious mission, and that mission includes seeing the best in us and wanting good things for us and wanting us to be happy, but it's also so much more than that. Jesus' mission is about reconnecting people with God. And so when he comes to the temple and he sees that, like, Nobody can worship in the temple courts and only Jews are able to worship because the space that non-Jews could worship is now a like strip mall. He gets really, really, really mad. And this is where we come to the chalkboard today because I think that there's a lot of weirdness in Christianity about like God and anger. 
And so we're just going to kind of lay out some assumptions and talk about it a little bit. And I like pre-started it because I felt really nervous about trying to draw straight lines on live camera because you can't like, you know, pause it and take it back. So sorry about that. Okay, so option number one, we've got the God of wrath, right? Oh no, my pen. Well, we might just have to pretend we can read this. Yeah, I'm, this is where you get to see what the God of wrath would be like, or he's someone whose chalk marker didn't work. Uh, so the God of wrath, right, and this is like the God that a lot of us have heard about if maybe we grew up in the church. And so he's the God of condemnation. I can spell this word. Let's see if I get it right. Oh, yeah, there we go. Condemnation, um, hell, the punisher. This is the God who's just like, mad at people all the time and people suck and they can never do anything right and you better behave or else you're going to burn. So when we think about God and anger, this is kind of like one typical assumption we get. And then, see how I did like the color scheme, red, orange, yellow? Yeah. So then we come over here and we've got option number three, which is what we're going to call tonight the God of cheap grace. And this is the God who's just like, you know, um, let's say, get out of jail free. We're going to say, uh, jail free. And good vibes. And um, that's not, that's an S. And not judgy. And this is the God where Jesus comes and dies for our sins. So... We just need to stop worrying about bad things because those are all gone now. So really, we can just kind of like do whatever we want because sin doesn't matter, and it's okay. God just loves us, and God wants us to be happy. And neither of these things are entirely false, right? Like neither of these things are common ideas that we have about God because we just pulled them out of thin air. They're just things that come up in the Bible that when we overemphasize, lead us to this like wild idea of God that doesn't necessarily line up with the truth. But here in this passage, we get to learn about what I like to call the God of redemption, which is another long word that I can usually spell right. God of redemption. And this is a God who shows redemptive anger. And redemptive anger is anger that is not meant to condemn, but anger that is supposed to lead us to redemption. Anger that points out what is wrong so that we can be healed, so that we can be on a different path. There's like stuff about this all over the Bible, but I have a feeling if I read the whole Bible to you tonight, you would probably get up and leave and I might get fired. And so just like one example is there's this really beautiful section of Ephesians 5 that basically talks about like choosing not to sin and live in the darkness because you can bring those things into the light so God can illuminate them. And when the darkness is illuminated, it actually becomes light. And what that is talking about is this way that God can call out brokenness in us and heal it and make it beautiful. I like to think about like, so after I became a Christian, 
I kind of got like on this high horse. I like, I was still making a lot of really, really bad choices. Don't get me wrong. But I stopped making like the typical college bad choices. And then I was like, oh, I'm so great. I'm so holy. And I would just like call people out. and be like, oh, you're going to that party? I don't think you should do that. You know, I don't think that God would approve of what you're doing right now. And it was always in a really snooty, non-loving way. And finally, somebody called me out. They sat me down. They were like, hey, Shana, like, I get what you're going for. And I think it's, like, really cool that you quit drinking. That's so great. But do you think that when you're a jerk to people, maybe it doesn't actually make them want to come to church with you? And I was like, what? No, I hadn't thought about that at all. Um... But because they called me out, right, because, like, they spoke into my life, they got to lead me, like, into redemption there. And then, like, two years later, I got to be a part of training younger students about how to interact with people in a kind way, which never would have happened if nobody ever would have said anything to me, right? I would have just carried on. And so, basically, this redemptive anger is a way that God speaks into our lives to bring about healing. And it's exactly what we see Jesus do in this passage. So we are going to keep going with our reading. Then the Jews responded to him. Him is in Jesus. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and words that Jesus had spoken. So what happens here is the, the people around Jesus are like, hey, crazy man with the like wicker and cloth. Like, what, what makes you think that you can kick people out of the temple courts? What is your deal? And he's like, you can go ahead and destroy this temple, but I will fix it. And what he's talking about is the fact that when Jesus sees people abusing the temple, rather than kicking them out and saying, you're done, you messed up, you can never come back, he chooses to become that temple, which is like this motif that we see throughout the New Testament. He chooses to become the thing that is abused so that once again, everybody can have access to the presence of God, including the people that he was mad at. And this whole reference to him dying and coming back in three days, the resurrection, is a reference to like the way that he died for all of our sins, the way that Jesus saw brokenness, got really, really super mad about it, and then chose to fix it and chose to heal it and chose to make it more beautiful. God's anger calls out rightness, wrongness in order to bring rightness. And I think tonight I really want to focus on like what we learn about God here. But I also want to touch on what does that look like just a little bit for us because there is a lot of brokenness in Christian culture that needs to be redeemed. There is pastoral abuse of various kinds. There is misappropriation of funds. There are broken, hurting families. There are people who don't feel welcome at the church because of the way that we have treated them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that when we see those issues, there's like this middle space because like, I mean, let's talk about what we see in society, right? So over, we're going to put this on the God of wrath side, cancel culture, right? Somebody said one thing that wasn't quite right, and now they are 
dead to me forever. So there's that. And then over here, there's just like, we'll call it the God of cheap grace side, you know, to each their own. That's not a C. Well, good thing I'm saying it in case you can't read it. And to each their own, um, just love, which is not a bad statement, but when taken in the context of there's then no room to call out anything that's wrong, can be bad. But in the middle, I think there's this space here. And it's space to do something about things without being condemning. Because when you think about all those terrible things I just listed that happen in Christian culture, they don't happen because nobody knows, you know? Like when you read those stories of like church leaders who have been abusing children for 20 years, it's not that nobody ever knew. It's that the people who knew were too scared to say anything. And I'm not gonna say tonight that I know exactly what this middle spot looks like, because I think that there's beauty in taking time before we make things about us to just focus on the character of God. And so tonight I want us to sit with this idea that God's anger is redemptive, that it calls out brokenness to bring rightness because God believes that we can be better. So sit with that for a little bit. And then next week, I won't be preaching, but I'll be around. I also have an email. And if after you've sat with that for a while, you start to have some ideas like Apollo has, you can hear him, about what it might look like to live out redemptive anger in your own life. I would love to hear about that. But please, first, before we jump to us, let's just sit with the character of God. I'm going to pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for happy babies who make noises. Thank you for this space together. And thank you for the ways that you believe in us and want the best for us. As we continue with tonight, just help us to reflect on who you are. Amen.